You make software. We're here to help you do it better. I'm Mark Littlewood. You're listening to the Business of Software podcast, where we share talks from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. You can find out more at businessofsoftware.org. Everyone knows your company should be your best product. Everybody knows about dog fooding. Um, But here, Jason Freed, founder and CEO of Basecamp, walks us through how he manages and organizes Basecamp, a fully remote organization, using his own tools. A fascinating listen, Um, even better to watch. So uh, go and check it out on the videos at businessofsoftware.org. I thought it would be kind of cool today, since I'm the last speaker, to show you guys how we work at our company. We've been in business for about 17 years, and we study our company and iterate on our company the same way we think about iterating on our products. So everyone in this room understands how to make software better. We iterate, we, we maybe watch people use it, we want to make sure it's useful and usable and all these things. I think the same things apply to companies as well. I think you should think of your company as a product. And if you think about your company as a product, you begin to look at your company a little bit differently. You start to ask yourself, is our company usable? Are the people who work at our company, are they using it properly? We have a lot of resources here. Do they even know what's possible? How are we communicating? How are we talking? How are we making decisions? And when you start to look at your company like you look at a product, there's a whole new set of improvements you can make. And I think, ultimately, that your company should be your best product because it's the product that makes everything else that you do. And so I thought it would be kind of interesting to show you how we work. Um, I'm going to, we use, obviously use Basecamp. I'm going to put our account on the screen. And I'm going to show you exactly how we work, how we communicate, how we talk, when we talk, why we talk, um, what we talk about, how we pitch ideas, how we figure out what everyone's doing in the company. And I'm going to show you the real stuff. So I would ask you that I'm gonna, whatever's up on the screen is real. So there might be some confidential stuff I end up showing you. Just don't talk about that outside, if you don't mind. Um, but you're free to talk about the ideas. And I'm going to try and weave some philosophy in here as well so, so you understand why we do the things we do. Before I show you, though, I just want to hit two quick points, um, or actually one quick point, which is that we've tried to design the way we work around the idea that 40 hours a week is enough. Um, I, as an employer and a business owner, I do not believe I'm entitled to anyone's nights and weekends. Um, That's their time, it's not mine. So whatever we do as a company has to be able to be done in about 40 hours a week per person. And I want as much of those 40 hours a week to be personal time for each person and not company time. Company time deletes time from people. I want everyone to have as close to 40 40 hours a week of their own time to do their own work as possible. So some of the communication techniques and things I'm going to show you um, revolve around that idea. So that's our sort of our defining thing. 40 hours is enough. I don't want to push people to work beyond that. I don't want people to be exhausted. I don't want people to be tired. I don't want people to get burned out. I want to build a sustainable company with people who want to work at our company for a long period of time. And I think 40 hours is enough time to do that. So with that said, I'm going to um, show you how we work. Again, this is the real stuff, so please um, don't take pictures if you don't mind, but we'll talk about it. Um, First of all, quick background. Um, We have about 50 people in the company, about 12 developers, about, and I'm counting, these these are rough numbers because some people sort of do multiple things. 12 developers, about seven designers, 
uh, about, uh, I think, 13 people in customer service, about six, six or seven on ops operations, like keeping the servers running and that kind of stuff, technical operations. Uh, we have, uh, a, I'm the CEO, we have a CTO with my business partner, David, and then we have a COO, and then we have an office manager, and we have one data person, and that's roughly the 50 people that we have. 35 of those people live in 30 different cities around the world, so we're a very remote company. Uh, we're based in Chicago, but even the 14 or so people who live in Chicago only come to the office a few times a week. So what I'm showing you is really our office and how we actually work together. And I'm going to go until you guys kick me off the stage. So if you have questions, blurt them out anytime because I don't know if there'll be time at the end. If you see something you're like, wait, why? And why would you do it that way? Just yell it out, and I'll, I'll hear you, and, and we'll go through it. Um, so I want to talk about structure first a little bit, and then, and then get into some very, specifics, uh, very specific things. So um, we break our company into th basically three parts. We have the company, which is represented up here. Um, this is what we call BCHQ. This is like our, our company project where we talk about everything company-wide, stuff that's not project or team specific, but company-wide announcements. And I'm gonna show you a few of them uh, as an example. Um, any social sort of chatter we do happens in there. Um, big picture dates for the company, stuff that people need to know company-wide. Everyone has access to it and, and we have that place. We then have places for teams um, and teams Teams have their own thing going on. Uh, here's a collection of teams that I'm part of. Um, we've got like a team for our Chicago office. Uh, we've got uh, the second one called JFDHHRS. It's a small team of three people who discuss product strategy together. Um, we have something called the C's, which is a place for our C-level people. There's only three of us. Um, the small council is a place where uh, the team leads from each group in our company have a place to talk and that sort of thing. So we have this set up. And then below this, we have projects, which is actual project work um, that we're doing. And it might be a variety of things, a new website, it might be onboarding stuff, it might, these are all ongoing things that we're working on um, at any one time. Um, no, so um, most, in, in our, this is a good question, in our company, most people have access to everything, but by default, you can, you can set up who has access to what, but in our case, we pretty much give everyone access to everything, and then people can choose like if they don't want to follow it or not. It's, a, it's sort of a software mechanical thing, mechanic. But yes. So, but for example, like the C's uh, right up here, there's just three of us who have access to this one, and three of us who have this, access to this one. In the small council, there's about eight people, and, and most of these have most everyone else. By the way, what I'm actually showing you is unreleased. This is a version of Basecamp we're releasing in a few weeks. So some people who might use it might go, "What the hell is that?" That's what that is. Um, so you're seeing something new as well. But um, we typically allow everyone to have access to everything. And this is actually a good question. And let me get to the philosophy of this. We've tried a bunch of different ways of doing this, which is like, do we want to limit access to things that people are only specifically involved with? Um, we found that you know, by basically user testing, in a sense, by observing our, our employees' behavior, people wanted access to everything. But one thing that happened, and I'll show you how we solve this, one thing that happened is that when people have access to everything, they can be easily overwhelmed by everything that's going on. And even deeper than that, there's this unusual expectation which surprised me, which was that people feel like they're obligated to know about what's going on if they have access to something, which surprised, I, wasn't, I didn't expect that. Um, and so people were spending a lot of time on following a bunch of stuff that didn't really involve them, but they felt like they needed to be up on it. 
And uh, this is actually a really big problem today in a lot of companies. Um, my personal feeling is that companies, one of the most important functions of a company should be, actually, if we're talking about your company as a product, let me put it in terms of a feature. One of the most important features of a company should be to protect and preserve every employee's time and attention. Um, companies today are clawing at everyone's time and attention. Um, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, very few people actually have had a lot of time to themselves and a lot of attention to themselves. And I, I break these two things up because time and attention are very different things. Time is a, a, a balloon. You've got like 40 hours. But you don't have 40 hours of attention. You've got a lot less attention. Attention's a small little nugget because your context shifting and all sorts of things are going on. So you have very little attention. So I think it's very important that a company thinks about every person's time and attention and, and figures out ways to work in a way where it does not claw at it, but instead gives it. So I'll, I'll share, share some examples of that in a, in a few. Um, actually, we'll jump in here and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll talk about something that's related to that. Because I like to bounce around based on what people um, are, are asking. So ask stuff and I'll, I'll go in different directions. Um, one of the challenges we had when we allowed everyone to have access to everything was this expectation of people feeling like they needed to follow everything to stay up on everything. And at any one time, there's 40 or 50 things happening in our company. It's a lot of work just to stay on top of that. And that's the wrong work for people to be doing. But we also felt it was really important for people to know what everyone was doing. I feel like this is an important thing for every employee in a company to understand at a certain size, of course, we're still at that scale where we can do this, where everyone should know what everyone else is doing because it increases the respect across teams and across roles. Sometimes you'll feel like you're really busy and you wonder what he's doing. What does she do here? What do they do here? And this causes internal tension and some politics. And I want to make sure that everyone knows what everyone's doing. Because when you don't have clear information, people form their own information. They create their own stories. And oftentimes, these, are, these create anxiety and worry, and people fill in the gaps with things that aren't true, and this is bad. So I think it's very important to be very clear about everything in the company. I'll talk about that in a couple other examples. Um, so what we've decided to do is um, we have this, this feature in Basecamp. Uh, and by the way, there's a lot of products out there that exist uh, that can do some of these things, other things. This isn't a pitch for the product. I'm just showing you how we work, because this is what we use to, to work. But the ideas can be, ap can be applied to a variety of other, other tools. Um, every day in the company, actually, I'm going to start here. Um, once a week, every Monday morning, every Monday morning, everybody in the company is automatically asked a question. Basecamp will automatically ask people this question, which is, what will you be working on this week? And it's optional, but people respond. And it's published back to the central place. Um, and uh, people can go, it's a log, basically. And you can go through and read it. Um, and this is everything that's going on in the company basically this week, hopefully. Um, this is not about holding anybody accountable. This is not about saying, you said you'd do this, but you didn't. This is about exposing information to everybody in the company so everyone knows roughly what's happening. Jay, who's one of our Android programmers, is doing some of this stuff. Jeremy, who works on what's called our SIP team, which is security infrastructure and performance, is working on this stuff. Um, Jeffrey's working on this. Dave is working on this. Uh, Kristen, who runs our support crew, is training two new people. Edlin, who's on marketing, is doing this stuff. Chris is doing this stuff. Some people write bullet points. Some people write longer things. Some people write a variety of different things. It doesn't really matter how they write it. 
Um, but this is about exposing information to everybody in the company so everybody, no matter what role they're in, they share this information in one place. Something that we'll talk about, I'll show you some more, is this, this idea that um, we believe very strongly in um, the idea of, of one place. Um, if you want to protect people's time and attention, you have to make it easy to find what they need and make sure that they know they're seeing the whole story. Something I've observed in our own company over the past few years, and we've, we've tweaked this, again, like thinking about the company like a product, is that we had fragmented information and fragmented discussions. Some people were talking about some stuff in a chat room. Some people were talking about some stuff under to-do items. Some people were talking about some stuff some other way. Some people were talking about some stuff in a meeting. And while those particular moments are fine for those people who are talking about those things, they're really bad for everybody else. Because you can't get the whole picture. You can't get the whole story. And when you don't have the whole story, you don't know where the whole story is. So you have to start finding things. You have to start asking people. When you start asking people for things, it claws away at their time and attention because they have to now stop what they were doing to answer your question about something else. And there's a lot of dependencies that form when people don't know where to find stuff. We are against dependencies at every level. As much as possible, I want everyone to be able to work independently and slide past one another. If you're waiting on someone else for information, that's a bug in our company. If, you're if you have to ask someone else where something is, that's a bug in our company. If some of the story's over here and some of the story's over here, that's a bug in our company, and we want to solve that. So I'll show you some examples of, of how we always want to keep everything in one place so people know where to find it. Yes, I'll show you that. So remind me if I don't. I'll show you that in, in just a minute. Um, the, the other thing that's, that's important, well, actually, let me, let, me, um, let, me step, let me step to another thing really quick, and I can come back to that in a second. So this is like what we'd be working on this week. Everyone in the company answers that. Then at the end of every day, we ask everyone what you worked on today. And um, this is actually really important because what we used to do is the system would sort of generate a report. Like, here's the to-do somebody checked off. Here's the things someone commented on. Here's the places someone spoke, whatever, right? That paints the least human picture of anything. That is like just a, whatever you put in the system is all the system knows. But people's days are far more complicated and interesting and colorful than what a system can tell you based on the inputs that you put in the system. So we, all, we ask people to write up their day. Some people write it up as short bullets again. Some people attach some screenshots of some stuff that they worked on or things they've seen. Um, some people write long, long, detailed, interesting th articles about a very specific problem they faced that day, something that is not necessarily technically interesting to a lot of other people, but it's a way to be exposed to what other people are doing and things people have struggled with during their day. So this is, this is Sam, who's one of our programmers, who's talking about stuff I don't understand, but <laughs> it's interesting. Um, here's Eileen. Eileen works on our SIP team, too. She's talking about fighting some fires and chatting with someone else about this thing. And this is like her write-up of what she did in a given day. Anton's a bullet point guy, so he just kind of bullet points things. Matthew likes to write stories. Um, Jonas is bullet points, but sort of expanded bullet points. Everyone has a different way of describing their day. And um, it's awesome to read this, because you really get a true sense of what's happening in the company without having to go follow a bunch of the things that are going on, because this information comes to you in everyone's own words every day.
and you can choose to receive it. You, know, you can look at it, you can receive it via email, you can get it any way you want, but it's a really wonderful way to read up on what's happening and check this stuff out as, as you go. So this is a different way of, of getting a sense of what's happening in a company versus running technical reports or, being f or feeling like everyone has to follow everything all the time. Uh, I heard your voice coming from over here, so, oh, there you are. Uh, no, it's not mandatory, and maybe about 65% of the company does it. Some people don't do it because their particular roles are a bit more um, the same every day, like customer service, but some people in customer service do a great job of this because they'll say, like, here's a difficult case I had today, or here's how I helped a customer today, or here's something I've been hearing over and over and over, and finally today I felt like I had to write it up because it's bugging me things like that. So it depends on the role, but about 60, 70% of the, of the employees typically do this. Some people don't do it every day. They do it a few times a week. Some people don't do it at all. Totally fine. Again, this is not about ever holding anybody accountable. This is about information and sharing. Esther, this is actually her head right here. Oh, eight waffles the size of my head, okay. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't pick that up, yes. Company time. You're, you're generating a lot of content. Uh, Actually, personal time, sorry. Yes? So, whenever they want. And that's, I think, the really important point here is that um, something we do, something we really believe very strongly in, is asynchronous communication which is um, basically the difference between asynchronous communication and real time is uh, that asynchronous communication puts the pace on the receiver of the information. So when something's published to Basecamp like this, um, it's not saying come look at it right now, it's saying come look at it whenever you want. There's no response required here, there's no like immediate sense of I need to know everything every moment. There's a sense of when I have a free time in my day, when I have, can carve out some time for myself and want to check out what everyone's working on, I can go check this out. Or I can get this emailed to me at the end of the day automatically. There's a variety of ways to do that. Um, some people are more curious than others. I like to read it a lot because I, I run the place, so I'm kind of curious what's going on. Some people really like to read it because they learn something new about something that's going on in the company that we hadn't announced. One of the really nice things about this is this, this replaces the need to have a lot of meetings replaces the need to have all hands sort of things, letting everyone know what the hell's going on in the company, because this is letting everyone know what's going on in the company all the time, slowly, and it's, it's a great way to not have to pull people away to tell them. This stuff is just here for anyone who, when they want to check it out. As far as like the percentage of people that consume it, I don't, I don't know specifically, um, but uh, I, I also don't care, basically. It's just It's here for people, and... Um, most people really enjoy writing this up and most people look at it, as far as I understand. To your point about personal time and company time, I actually, this is personal time. Um, and one of the important things about this, because it's optional, and that's, that's the key. If it's optional, it's personal time. If it's, if, it's, if it's mandatory, it's company time. Like for example, all hands meetings or Monday morning meetings, things like this, a lot of stand-up meetings. Um, if you have to attend, that's company time. We don't do any of those things. We don't have all hands meetings. We don't have stand up meetings. We don't meet in person hardly ever in terms of more than three people in a room um, because we do all that asynchronously. Basically saying that whatever we're about to talk about is not, does not need everyone's attention at the same time. 
People need to know about this stuff, but if you find out about it at four o'clock this afternoon, that's fine. If I find out about it at one o'clock this afternoon, that's fine. If I find out about it tomorrow, that's fine. Why does everyone need to know this at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning? And why do I need to steal an hour from people's day to tell them all the stuff at the same time? There's really no, very, very few good reasons for this unless you need to know the information at 9.01. And so most of what we do is asynchronous because of that. I do not believe most information needs to be disseminated at a point where everyone needs to know it at the same time and they need to pull themselves away from whatever they're supposed to be doing to receive it. There are moments when there's a crisis or an emergency or something like that where like, we need to talk about this right now, but if that's happening a lot, that's another bug in your company. So we, you know, there might be one or two emergencies a year that like, we need to talk now, but most things do not need to be discussed in real time. We do discuss other things in real time, so we, we, we're, you know, we, we have a, a chat room here where we talk about you know, whatever stuff. People are, of course, bitching about the iPhone and you know, all that kind of stuff that people do in chat rooms. So we have all that stuff here, too. Um, that stuff exists. Uh, but this is, there's a distinction here between, um, between uh, uh, asynchronous and real time. For us, anything that's important, and when I say important, I mean it's something someone else needs to know about. Uh, happens asynchronously, in that we post something and you can look at it when, whenever you're free to. Anything that doesn't need to be seen by anybody else is just sort of a fun release, a, a link, whatever. Real-time chat, totally fine. But we don't make decisions in chat rooms. We don't make uh, calls in chat rooms. We don't do any of that stuff in chat rooms because if you do things like that in chat rooms, you're expected then to follow along all day to wait until something happens in that chat room so you can jump in and, and participate, which means you have to keep an eye out pretty much all day or wait for notifications to come in and say, this conversation's happening right now, so stop whatever you're doing because this is probably more important when it almost never is. So we use chat for sort of social release and for an occasional little quick question or, or what, whatnot, but we don't use it for discussing work, um, for showing comps, for getting feedback on things because it means that, hey, I need, do you need to stop what you're doing and do what I want you to do instead? And when that happens dozens or hundreds of times a day in an organization, you have a very scattered organization where people's days are being chunked into smaller and smaller and smaller bits because they're being pulled away all day long when the new indication shows up that there's something new over here or over here. Um, and actually, let me, let me sort of parlay that into a, a point about context. Um, Context is really important to us, and let me talk about what that means. Um, if I'm going to tell someone to check something out, I've got to tell them, I've got to give them enough information to decide whether or not they need to look at it right now. One of the problems with, um, and we used to work this way, which is, and we still have this in, in Basecamp here. I'll show you something that you guys are probably used to, people who work in chat-based organizations. We'll have something like this, right? Whoops. Um, which is a series of, of, of rooms with some sort of indicator on the side, right? Slack, HipChat, Campfire, these kind of things have like, you know, rooms or channels, and then you have unreads basically on the right. The problem with this is that I don't know what's behind this dot or this number unless I go find out. The problem with that is that because the, the topics or the rooms or the channels are generally fairly broad, 
it can be one of many, many, many things. Some things might be, they might really need my attention, some things might not need my attention, but I have to go in, read, scroll back to find out if there's anything in here worth even looking at or responding to, which means I have to put my right eye on the right side of my screen all day to see when something pops up, jump in, decide then if it was worth it, and I've already been distracted. So the way, one of the advantages to working in an asynchronous format is that this is sort of taking cues from what was good about email. Email's bad about a lot of things, but there's something really great about email, which is the idea of subjects, right? Um, you look in your inbox, and there's subjects, and subjects describe something in a way that is very specific to the information, and you can decide whether or not you want to act on it or not. You can't decide that if there's a room or a channel with a, with a number next to it, because it could be one of many things. It's like, it'd be like calling 911 and going, hey, uh, there's a fire. And they're like, where? And you're like, Boston. And, and they're like, well, where in Boston? You're like, I don't know. It's just in Boston. There's a fire in Boston. That's what happens when you work this way, which is that there's information in Chicago. Well, I, what kind of information do I need to look at it now? Is it important? If I look at it, will I, does it matter? And I'm constantly being pulled away. So um, what we tend to do is when you, write async, when you work asynchronously, and I'll show you some examples of this. Everybody gets, or everything gets a title and a permanent place for that entire conversation and discussion. And um, you can then look at it and decide whether or not something's worth looking at. So for example, um, th these are all the things I haven't read. I haven't checked my, my stuff basically since yesterday. So this is the only stuff that I am involved with at some level that I need to look at. So I can take just a minute to look at this and go, okay, um, Jason Zimdars, so, this information includes person, time, place, subject. And with that information, I have context, and I can decide whether or not this is something I should look at. So this I don't really care about right now. 401k I don't care about. Um, I don't, this is a pitch. We're working on new product development right now, so I might want to check that out later. And uh, this is what, what, what Jay worked on yesterday, and Andrea was inspired by something yesterday. And okay, boom, done. I didn't have to read the content. I didn't have to go back and figure out what those 54 unreads were to decide whether or not that was something I should have read. I can look at the subjects. I can look at the time. I can look at the place. I can look at the location, have a sense of whether or not I should look at this. This is how you protect people's time and attention so they're not constantly be pulling, being pulled away. One of the, um, one of the other things that I want to bring up about, about this, which is an important point, people talk a lot about context switching and uh, chat primarily is a very context-switching based tool for communicating. The problem is, is that when you switch context without context, you end up in a place where you're doing a lot of bouncing around just to find out if it's even worth bouncing. And that's very distracting, and that takes a lot of time. If you actually, if you work this way and you look at the amount of times you're bouncing into something to see if it was worth looking at, just record that in a given day. I bet you wouldn't be surprised to find it's 40 to 50 times. Um, and that's a bug, in my opinion, in your company, if that's how you have to find out if there's something worth looking at. Sure. So that's a really good question, and we're sort of straddling it, because we do both. We have both, right? Um, the main reason is, is you, 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 sh the w you show examples of why, why it's better. Let me show you one, for example, okay? Um, I'm going to go, I bookmarked a couple things that we could talk about today, so just a second here. Um, I'm going to go to, to this. This is a to-do item. We're working on a native UI for starting new pings in, in Basecamp 
the, the topic itself doesn't matter. But this is a to-do, and the entire discussion about that particular piece of work is, is, is below that to-do in context of the to-do. The whole, and I'll scroll through this in a second, the whole story is in one place across multiple days, and I'll show you that in a second. And when you see this and you ask yourself, you ask someone, if you were new to this project and you had to get up to speed on what was going on with this, and you were using chat and you had one conversation for one day that was you know, a handful of back and forth and you stopped and the next day there's another one, but there was a bunch of other conversations happening in the meantime, it's like, how would anyone ever get up to speed that way? What are you gonna expect them to read back like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of lines and then parse it all and piece it all together? It's much better to have one place where everyone is confident in the, there's basically a central source of truth where, it, where the only story is this story and it's the whole story. So for example, here's a to-do. Um, and this is Jason Zimdars, who's one of our designers, taking a first stab at, at, the, at the interface um, and sort of sharing a few screenshots of, of, of this idea he has. Um, and then um, Jamie DeHansen, who's a designer on the Android app, had some feedback. And then Jason Zindars had some feedback. I should actually put the date here. So you can see this started on uh, January 4th. This to-do was created on the, um, on the 13th. He posted this design. And there's a bunch of back and forth. Over time, I'm going to show you all the way down at the bottom here. Now we're on July 18th, so five days have gone by. Uh, the uh, 15th. Uh, 15th, 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 February 1st, that's the whole story. So the whole story about this feature was about a month long of discussion over time, not in real time, but over time, and the whole story is here. If I, if you, if I asked you to go back to uh, the tool, you, whatever tool you guys use for chat, Slack, and, and, and look at a particular, and by the way, this is the same, same weaknesses in Campfire. This is just a, a, a problem with, the, with the, um, the, the medium, the idea of it. And, and scroll back and go, piece together the story of this interface design. Um, it would be very hard to do that. And it'd be very likely that you would never actually know if you're done looking for stuff. So you can keep scrolling back and find a, ch a segment of a, of a discussion or of a conversation. And then like, well, how do I know that's all? Did we talk about that two months ago also, or three weeks ago? Like, you don't ever know, and so what ends up happening is you end up repeating yourself a lot. And there's a lot of double work that's done in these rooms because you don't know if it's been discussed before, there's no one place to go find the information because it's sort of scattered amongst other conversations that are happening. It's a very uh, disorganized way of work, and I, I, some people are okay with that, I'm not. And the reason I'm not okay with that is because everyone knows their own mess, you do not know someone else's mess. It's like, I know my shitty, messy desk. I know where everything is on it. If I asked you to go find my keys, you'd be like, I have no, no idea where your keys are. But I know where they are because I know my own mess. But when you're working in groups, you need to have organized structure that's predictable, that people know where to go to find something. And when they hit that, they can see the whole story. So this is a long answer, but when you, when you show things like this to people, they start to understand that it makes their job easier to communicate this way. It also reduces the, it increases patience in the organization, realizing that people don't need to respond to everything instantly. In this conversation that happened over a month, nothing here needed to be dealt with immediately. It can be dealt with over time. Let me think about it. Let me explore it. I'll put a new comp up, see how it goes. Let me take my time and discuss this over time. Certainly there are things that need to be discussed immediately, but very few things should be that way, I believe. Um, 
So, Sure, great question. Um, if it's only two people working on something, that might be okay. But if there's three or four people working on something, then they weren't privy to the phone call, then there's information that's been shared and backstory people don't know about, and you'll end up having to repeat that information down the road to someone else when they don't understand that something's missing from the whole story. Um, the other thing is you can transcribe the call if you want. We don't really do that. Um, we do use Skype from time to time and video conference with two people to look at some stuff together. Um, but the bigger, the bigger thing is you have to think longer term about this, which is that at that very moment, that phone call might have been useful, and sometimes it is, and sometimes we do use, use the phone. But what ends up happening is you have a gap in the overall record of information in the story. So if someone new comes into the project, or you want to reference a decision that you made, and you want to look back at something and go, why do we do it that way? Or someone's like, we should change it this way. And you're like, well, we actually had this discussion before. And let me be able to point you directly to it so we can look at it and understand why we came to this conclusion. It's just good to have things documented. It's good to have things documented, I think. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the phone and video and in-person meetings aren't useful. They are useful, but there's significant cost to those as well. So everything has its cost. And you got to kind of play those costs off one another and decide what's useful. In this case, um, this was a, a prototype idea. It could go a little bit slower because we're kind of bouncing some ideas back and forth, and it was better to be discussed this way and, and written out so everyone could kind of be part of the conversation. So you said that you don't like to make decisions in these things, um, which I, I think that's fantastic advice. When, what medium, if something does need a decision, do you, do you also like to have meeting structures? So what is the right way to make a decision? Sure. Um, we make a decision by posting a message. Let me show you how that works. Um, so. Oops, let me show you um, actually a good example of, of, uh, of this. Um, let me think back on a good time. Okay, so um, let me show you something else related to that, and then I'll find this other thing for you, because I, 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 uh, I think this other thing might show it, but if it doesn't, I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, basically, we post messages, and messages are sort of the moments when we describe something completely and thoroughly and fully. Um, so let me show you an example here. Um, before I show it to you, let me just give you some backstory. Last year, we had about six people leave the company in a year, which was very rare for us. We have, we have very high retention rates. Over the past 17 years prior to last year, um, fewer than 10 people have left the company who've worked with us for more than a year. So we have really high retention rates. Very unusual to have five or six people leave in a given year. And I was starting to hear that people were concerned about this, obviously, and people were worried. They were like, what, what's going on? Why, why is everybody leaving, or why are these people leaving? And when these people left, we made a little bit of an announcement letting people know that they left, but we didn't really tell everyone exactly why. And what happens is when you don't tell people exactly why something happens, like I mentioned earlier, they make up their own stories, and things get worse, and people have anxiety on their minds, and anxiety takes a piece of their attention. Because in some cases, it's even really bad where people I've heard in other organizations, like someone will get fired and then some people immediately start thinking about looking for a new job because like, am I next? Like people have all these thoughts and you got to clear the air pretty quickly about stuff like that. Otherwise, it, it gets really bad. So this is an example of, a, of an announcement I made and I'll show you a decision also in, in a second. I just got to remember a good example for that. Um, this is a post I put up that's sent out to everybody in the company that I wrote up explaining um, that I understand, I've heard some people's concerns 
um, that some people have left the company. We've had historically low turnover. What's going on? Um, so I explain how talking about people leaving is delicate because sometimes they're personal things and whatever. But hey, I'm going to go through every single of these six people. And I'm not going to say this out loud because I know this is being recorded. You guys can see names. Just I'm showing you the real thing. Hopefully, we don't show the screen when, 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 uh, when, when the video's up. Um, I went through each person and explained exactly why they're no longer here. Some people, and I'm actually going to just kind of scroll through this rel quickly so we don't talk personally about anybody, but some people had reached sort of the end of their skill level and they wanted to do something new somewhere else. Um, some people got a new job somewhere else and we wished them well. Other people, someone else was, was fired. I had to let them go for a specific reason. And I just spelled this out completely, told the whole story, exactly what happened for each person, and now the error is cleared. And now what happens is, is that this is a difficult thing to write up, obviously. In a lot of companies, you're like, what happened to Bob? They're like, well, you know, I don't know. We don't talk about Bob anymore. Um, <laughs> thing is, people are talking about Bob. That's the thing. The company doesn't want to talk about Bob. Everyone else is talking about Bob. So it's important for the company to speak up and explain these things. So, so we write this up, and this is, the kind of, this is the length to which we write things up. We write things up thoroughly and completely so everyone understands the story, so there's no follow-up questions required. Follow-up questions often lead to extra time spent on things um, that's unnecessary if you're just clear in the first place. So we take time to think this stuff through and write this up. If I would have written this up in a chat room or something, like forget about it, and if I would have written this up in an email, we, we don't use email, if I would have written up this in an email, what would have happened was it would have gone out, but future employees who came in who were curious about this, because there, there's, there's folklore in companies, what happened, they wouldn't have had, so someone would have to like forward in old, it's, it's just a shitty way to, to work. So, so this is in a permanent place in this base camp project. And then down below, we have comments. And these comments came in a little bit over time. And people are saying, thank you for, for uh, laying this out. I appreciate it. Um, I was definitely feeling some anxiety about this. Um, and there's sort of a discussion about this. So it's not just about the initial announcement. It's about the follow-up conversation that does happen about this, where people can say, thank you for sharing that. I was a little bit nervous. I appreciate it. Other people said, hey, am I the only one who wasn't nervous about this? And so people talked about that. And we just got it all out in the open. And now there's a complete full history of that entire conversation from the initial announcement to all the feedback that came in about it in one place, on one screen, on one page, which I can always reference later. I can point to someone later. If this stuff was scattered in a bunch of places or in a bunch of emails or wherever it was, you'd never have this thing anymore. You'd have a bunch of small things. But I, I really think, it's something I've seen over, over the years of working with people, having a place, a central source of truth that everyone can refer back to where the whole story lives is one of the most useful ways to get people on the same page about stuff, now and later. Um, so that, that's how this works. Um, let me show you a decision, though. Um, I have to find it because uh, uh, I'm trying to think about what it was even called. Um, actually, let me show you pitch first, because that's easier to show you. And then I'll, I'll get to the decision thing again. Um, so let me show you how we, sh how we pitch ideas internally. How am I doing on time? OK, I got like 15 minutes. This is good. Um, Actually, let me go to let me go to this one here. So this is our um, this is our little project strategy team here, and let me go. Oh, I'm using someone else's laptop, so I'm not used to. I have to click on the button. I have like the tap thing on mine. 
uh, pitches and oops, pitches. And I want to go to this. Oops. Okay. So um, when we pitch ideas, when we have a fully formed idea we want to share with the whole company, and this can come from anybody. I can show you some other examples of this. Anyone in the company is allowed to pitch ideas. The only rule is you have to think it through and write it up fully. We don't present ideas in person. We don't present ideas at meetings. We write ideas up completely to what I call force the floor. And that is that when people have the floor, they have everyone's attention. And they cannot be interrupted while they're talking. And the reason this is important is because I want people to be able to absorb the whole story. So let me show you like an example of the depth that we go through to pitch a simple idea. Um, so this is like this is what how long a pitch is. It includes sketches and drawings and maybe some interface mock-up sketches and whatever. This is how we go through an idea to pitch it to one another. It has to be at this level of detail. It can be. Short, small, tiny, quick, random ideas, of course, can be shared amongst people. But when you really want to put an idea forward that we should do, the expectation is, is that you've thought it through and you share it this way and tell the whole story. So we go always start at the beginning, like the backstory. Why, are we, why would I want to pitch this idea? What are the problems? I've talked to some people about it. Here's what they say. Here's some conceptual ideas. Ryan's particularly good at this, so he, th this is a little bit more in detail than most. But, um, and it's, pre it's presented this way in one place. And then below this, we can follow up. And I'll actually show you an example here. of. Um, so uh, in some cases, to get back to your phone call thing, I'll say, hey, let's review this together. Um, so this is when Ryan and I would sit down together and talk it through. Um, and then uh, the reason why is because there's only two or three people involved in this particular thing. So we can kind of do that. And the only two or three people that will ever see this in this form will be the two or three of us. If this idea makes it out of sort of our little battle, then we'll present it to the whole company, again, in a way where the whole company can, can, can see it. Um, so right now, it's sort of OK to kind of riff on this together a little bit. David, who happens to live in Spain, um, wasn't, uh, isn't, isn't where Ryan and I are together in Chicago. Uh, David's not. So David wrote his response up um, in detail, and then some additional consideration. And then some more and some back and forth. And now there's sort of a history of what David had to say. And so when Ryan and I talk about it, we can sort of incorporate David's ideas. And then we wrote up a second pitch after that based on some of the things we thought about. Here's a follow-up pitch and some stuff like that. So um, anything that, if it's a decision, if it's an announcement, if it's um, uh, a pitch, if it's some, anything like that, um, it's always written up in long form the same way. Um, so it has a permanent home, and all the follow-up commentary about it can be attached to the thing itself. So that's, that's how, sort of how we, how we do things like that. Another example of this would be, um, let me jump back to, uh, let me jump back to uh, this one here. Show you another example of this with um, uh, another level of, um, that's a little bit slow here. Uh, this idea of, of heartbeats. So um, let me take a look and make sure there's nothing too sensitive in here. OK. So um, yeah, all right. So um, once a month, so I talked about how at the beginning of every week, everyone writes up roughly what they're going to be doing this week. At the end of every day, everyone writes up 
uh, what they did. And this is all automated. Basecamp goes out and asks each person, so no one has to remember to do this. The key insight here is that if you want answers from people, you have to ask questions. And if a system asks a question, it's a process. If a person asks a question repeatedly, it's nagging. Okay, so when a system does it, it's like this is just what we do. If I had to ask like a direct report every day to write up what they worked on, I'd be nagging the hell out of them and they would hate me. So there's like different ways to approach this and depending on who's doing it, it's different. Um, so we, we ask, you know, once a week, what do you plan on working on? Once a day, uh, what'd you work on? And then once a month, every team lead writes up a summary of the general work that team has been doing over that month. And I'll show you a couple examples of this. This is, uh, this is Noah, um, who, who's our data guy. His, he's a team of one. Um, this is sort of his write-up, and he's linking to a bunch of other things he's already written up. This is another one of the beautiful things about having um, homes for things, is you can reference them, okay? If you, have a, if, you, if you would have put a bunch of stuff in a bunch of places that's difficult to reference, or the things that are referenceable are chunks of the whole story, it's just very difficult to, to refer to something later. And this is like the basic beauty of URLs and, and links and permalinks. And, and this, is, this, is, this stuff is so important to be able to reference the whole story. And if I click on any one of these things, I can get the whole story versus having to, to, to parse it out. So this is an example of a, a data heartbeat. Here's our customer service team. Kristen, who runs our customer service, she wrote a heartbeat um, about, um, about what's been happening over the past month and support for everybody. This, again, goes out to everybody. Um, and uh, people can sort of chime in down below. And there's a whole, this is actually an interesting example of, she's announcing that she's, she hired two people, Janice and, and Esther. Um, and so down below in the comments, we have a tradition internally, whenever a new hire is mentioned, people always say welcome to that new hire in the comments section so that we can point that new hire to this page later and they can feel really good about joining the company because everyone's already welcomed them on their first day. Okay? Now we're remote. If you were local, you might be able to just kind of walk in the office and everyone says hello. We don't have that, so this is sort of our way of, of doing that. Um, yes? Yeah, let's go, let's go back to it. Right. Sure. So um, there's a project called Data. Everyone in the company has access to it. Hopefully you're not seeing anything. That doesn't matter anyway. I trust everybody. Um, so, so, um, so everyone has access to this project called Data. And there's, there's to-do lists. And you click on to-do lists or to-dos and to-don'ts, because you can rename these things, so you call them that. And there's a list at the top called Requests. And on this list, I'll actually just show you all of them. Um, on this list, these are the four open requests people have made. They're curious, like how many BC3, BC3's Basecamp 3 events were created more than 45 days? People have, different people in the company have questions about stuff, right? They're either doing product development or whatever, marketing, and they want to know something that they can't find themselves. So they put it here. And this is actually a whole collection of, of all of the requests. Um, and what's really cool is um, because, again, everything's in one place, Here's the request for something. I don't know what this is, but oh, whatever. Um, and not only is this the, the to-do, but this is the whole conversation back and forth between Mercedes, who asked about it, and Noah, who did it. 
and follow up and follow up and follow up and follow up and examples and the whole thing. And now there's a piece of history of, inf of information. If anyone else wants to know this, it's right here. Not only the initial request, but the whole follow up and all the conversation that happened after that. If this would have happened in person on the phone, that's institutional knowledge that's lost. It's gone. It's in the ephemera. It's, it's gone. If this would have happened in a chat room, it doesn't have a label. It doesn't have a thing. So you don't even know it's there. You can't get back to it. Um, and now, you know, now I can, I can get back to these things. So it's kind of interesting to look through this stuff before you make a request and go, hey, you know, what percentage of customers have convert to paid within 48 hours of trial setup? I'm actually curious about that myself. Um, about 43% set up their first base camp or paid for base camp within 48 hours. Of all the customers we have, this is a, ch a chart and uh, I'll scroll by it really quick. Actually, I don't care, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, this is that. So like, so, so, you know, now that's there. I don't have to ask him again, and it's all there in the data project, on the to-do list. There's also things that, that Noah writes up uh, regularly. Um, by the way, this is just a little internal thing. You guys wouldn't see that. Um, uh, this, this, these are all the different announcements Noah makes to the whole company about data findings that he thinks are interesting, okay? And they're all here, and there's a whole history of everything, okay? If this, again, if this stuff was said in a meeting, it's gone unless you were there. If it was said in a chat room, it's gone unless you happen to find it later. It's all here organized on the record. And if people have follow-up questions, they can post those below. Um, this is like a review he went to a conference, so he posted here and sort of a bunch of people. He, he loves writing, clearly. Um, and a uh, bunch of follow-ups and pictures and whatever of the experience, but it's all here, um, that sort of thing. So, so that's kind of how that works. Another really cool thing that he does um, on a daily basis is um, this thing called uh, chart of the day. And what Noah does, no, this is an interesting finding around data. Um, Noah used to share a lot of data, and he realized no one like, could absorb it all at once. So something he does every day, and this is the 256th day in a row he's done this, and this is work days, so it's about two years worth. Every day he posts a different chart to Basecamp for everyone to see. Um, and they're all different things. So this is like the total number of emails generated per minute by all of our apps combined over the course of a day. Uh, this is in millions or so, I don't know what it is. But anyway, this is like, and then he has some commentary below. Like you can clearly see the spikes at the top of each hour. We send digests, summaries, do reminders, uh, da 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 da. Um, 3.5 to 4 million emails per weekday now across all of our apps, that sort of thing. Chart of the day previous that, which, which is while most signups occur on the first day someone visits Basecamp.com, there's a very long tail. About 4% of people sign up more than 90 days after their first visit. So we post that. Then sometimes we'll post stuff about like the case why Serena Williams is perhaps the greatest tennis player of all time. And so he'll post that. And, and this all lives here. And what's really cool is because these things are, are um, let me see if I can find a good example of this. Um, uh, because these things live here, you can follow up with them. They all have their own place. And so you can follow up, this is kind of a silly one, but you can follow up in the comments section below and follow up on, on, on the chart. And sometimes I'm seeing, trying to see if there's like a particularly interesting one with, with some threads where you can, people can have some really interesting insights and discussions about the data that they normally would never have seen because they wouldn't have bumped into it. This is actually kind of a cool one. Um, this is a, we did this customer survey feedback, or customer survey, and, and someone did like a word cloud of all the responses that came in, and, um, uh, and there was some, feed, eh, this isn't a big deal, there's some feedback about that. Um, anyway, 
There's some moments where, where, where discussions can, can be interesting. Here's seven, seven discussions. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Great question. Yeah, great question. So with new hires, we typically um, uh, sort of work them into it, giving them initially only access to things that they're going to be working on so they can kind of get to see how that works and see the patterns, and then we sort of slowly reveal more. They're also assigned, everyone's assigned a buddy from the company who doesn't work in that department, so they work in another department, and the other person can kind of show them around and get them sort of acclimated in, in how, how things are going. Sometimes we'll also send them like some greatest hits. Like these are some really important philosophical points that we've made over the past, or this is an important decision we made, or whatever it is, and read these, read, read up on these, because this is sort of a good primer to, to how, we, how we approach things, that sort of thing. How are we doing on time, by the way? Yeah, that, that's a good question. First of all, one of the prerequisites for working at Basecamp is that you're a good writer, okay? That doesn't mean that um, you're confident in writing, but that you can write. That, you, that, that when you applied for the job, it was clear you could explain yourself, express yourself clearly. Um, there's a wonderful article that came out in Harvard Business Review, I think last week, about writing skills in companies and how bad writing contributes to something about like 40% of inefficiencies in companies for repeating, people have to repeat themselves, people have to re-explain stuff. This is why a lot of meetings have to happen again. Like you have a meeting, people didn't understand it, gotta have it again, people can't even communicate clearly. So we're very careful about that when we hire people, we wanna make sure everyone's capable of writing well. It doesn't mean that they're comfortable writing things in person, but they're capable of it. The second thing is, is that practice is what makes you better. Um, and so uh, this is another one of the sort of uh, reasons why we ask people to write up what they're working on every day, because it's a really good exercise in, um, in, in writing and explaining yourself and, and being clear about things. And if people have follow-up questions, you have a sense of like what wasn't clear and you get better and better at that over time. We also encourage people to write on our blog, Signal versus Noise, and we sort of, I, I serve a bit as an editor. If someone's like, hey, I wanna post this, what do you think, and we kinda of go back and forth. So it's a variety of things, but they have to initially be good at writing. And it's like, people think, well, it, it's like, it's obvious to think that um, if you wanna hire a designer, they should be a good designer, right? No one would question that. Um, I think writing is a prerequisite for every job to be able to explain yourself clearly to other people this way, unless you, it, some people are only good at explaining themselves in person, and that's a problem for us. First of all, because we're remote, um, primarily remote, and second of all, because I really think that um, if most, most, most communication in a company is written anyway, it's written in one form or another, um, and if you can't explain yourself, then it's very difficult to work with someone like that. So that's sort of just sort of the rules, basically, baseline rules for, for us. Uh, great question. We, um, we, some stuff's very clear very quickly. So like you look at someone's cover letter or something like that, and uh, it's like, I have no idea what they do. Like I, I, I don't understand anything, like they're out, basically. I don't care if they're the best developer in the world, the best designer in the world. If they can't communicate clearly, they can't work with other people. And so, we have to all work together. So I, if, I, if you can't communicate, you can't work for us, basically. Um, some people we 
pay really close attention to because their writing is fantastic. And their skills are pretty good, but we know we can make those better. But they have the fundamental thing, which is they, they know how to explain themselves. And so that's, that's a really high, high bar for us. When we hire customer service people, we do writing exercises for them to make sure they can write. We'll ask them typically, um, explain to somebody um, who doesn't know what bread, peanut butter, or jelly is, how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And like, I want to see how they explain that process, that sort of thing. I want to see how they, because that's what software is like for a lot of people. They, somebody uses software, and they're like, I don't understand how this thing works at all. So it's basically like not understanding peanut butter, bread, and jelly. So we do those kinds of things occasionally for people who are public facing with their writing, like customer service. But internally, you can tell pretty quickly. Um, for designers, for example, when, when we hire designers, um, when, we, when we kind of re limit or uh, filter down the finalists to, let's say, five, if, let's say we have five potential candidates to hire. We hire, we, 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 we give them all one project for one week to do. We pay them 1,500 bucks for that one week to do a project for us, a real project. They all do the same project independently. Um, and part of the, 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 the sort of the, the, um, the project is to explain the thinking behind it. I don't just want to see the design. I want to see the thinking behind it as well. Um, and that's a great place to sort of figure out, like, can this person really get to the point and really explain themselves clearly? So that's, that's kind of how we do that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm getting the mic. We've, we've pretty much always railed against meetings. I find them to be incredibly inefficient ways to spend your time, primarily because, first of all, it requires schedule coordination. Um, we've all been through that. Um, if it's a standing meeting, it means your day is just one hour shorter, no matter what, basically. And, it mean, and if, that, if that scheduled meeting is not at the beginning of the day, but it's a little bit later in the day, well, now your day is broken into two pieces. And it's not like you're going to start something really interesting and creative 30 minutes before the meeting's going to start, because you know you're going to have to stop. So the, these one hour meetings, they bleed out. And, and, and so we're very careful about that. That's not to say that we don't meet in person. We do meet in person occasionally. But very rarely are there more than three people in a room together. I find three people is enough for almost everything. In fact, all of our project work, three people. One programmer, I'm sorry, uh, two programmers and one designer, basically. Works on every feature we do. There's just a maximum of three people working on it together. Um, that's it because I find that that's sort of the right number, the atomic number here, to, to make sure that people can communicate clearly without having to coordinate a bunch of schedules, without having to, to create confusion. Just three seems like the right number. Um, we do meet, so David's in Spain, for example, or whatever. We, we do Skype occasionally um, when we need to, to do a little video conferencing for whatever reason. Um, but for the most part, most of our, almost all of our communication that's important is written, um, so we can communicate in a way that it's on the record and it's sort of permanent in a place where we can always get back to it and refer to it later so we know what we talked about. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, um, and then what? Track the decision. OK, well, this is an example of, um, hang on. I don't know if the internet's slow or I'm, I'm running on a beta server because this isn't out yet. So it's possible that like our beta server is extremely slow. I apologize for, uh, I'm sorry for Rails is slow. Nice. You got me on that one. Um, uh, I'm trying to think about a particular decision. We made a decision to, oh, I know. Here, this is a good one. Um, let's see. 
Uh, I, I, I think it was this. I think David posted it, and I think it was a message. Um, whoops, I think it was a message. Let's see, let's see if I can find this. Chug, 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 chug. While that's happening, this is boring to watch, watch the search happen. Um, it's usually significantly faster than this. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so our approach is iterative, just like product development, which is we, we, we do the best we can for what we have. And if we need to make adjustments over time, we do. Um, we're not going to double tomorrow. So we'll, if we, you know, our, our whole philosophy is keep the company, I think I should probably not do this on the beta server. Um, uh, let me just like, well, we'll see if this finds it in a second here. Um, uh, uh, we want to keep the company as small as we possibly can anyway, as far as the number of people who work at the company. Um, we want to increase our revenues and profits every year, as we have for 17 years. We've always increased that. But our company has increased too, but smaller in terms of, of people. Um, man, something is really, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have done it on this server. Um, sorry. Uh, I'll see if I can find another way. Um, Oh, here, let's see. Um, oops. Ah, here we go. I found it. Letting go. Okay. We'll, we'll look at this in a second. Um, so, uh, I don't think I clicked on the link again. I've got the, there we go. Um, so, yes, if we reached an, a, a size where this didn't work, we would adjust. Um, but you, you want to adjust as you go. You want to pay attention as you go and not... You know, one thing I find is that a lot of companies will want to work like a big company when they're small. Like, that's the wrong thing. The big companies wish they could work like a small company, right? But sometimes small companies have this insecurity, and they're like, I, we, like how, how does Apple do it? Well, Apple doesn't matter. You're like seven fucking people, man. <laughs> like, the way Apple does it doesn't matter. Um, what do you do if you're a seven-person company? You know, a 50-person company, we work differently than we did when we were 20. And, and, you know, and one of the things is that these heartbeats, for example, the things I showed you where everyone writes up what they worked on in a given day, um, that didn't exist when we were 20 people because you were kind of, you kind of knew. You just kind of knew. You kind of ran into people more often. And you're kind of involved. In more, we weren't doing as many things at once. So this is a practice that, that bubbled up from the fact that we couldn't all stay on top of what everyone was doing. We could if we wanted to follow everything that was going on and stay on top of it manually, but that was too much. And it was clawing away people's time and attention. So instead, people write this stuff up once a day, and then it's a great way to stay on top of that that way. So it's just a different, it's a different approach to a different size and a different scale. I also I don't give a shit if things don't work at big companies, because I, I don't care about big companies. I love small companies. Um, I'm all about small companies. Most of our customers have fewer than 10 people, 20 people. I love that. I love that size. So if, if, if people say, like, my company's 4,500 people, how can I make this work? I say, I don't care. I just don't care. Um, I'm just being honest about it. I don't care. It's not my job to care about your 4,500-person company. I will do the best I can for the 5.3 million companies in the United States that are fewer than 20 people. 98% of all companies in the United States are under 20 people. Small businesses. So like, that's what I care about. I don't care about the other 2%, or actually almost 1%. So I just don't care. Be honest about that. OK. And sorry, this is that decision. Um, but let's take the question. I'll leave this up, and you guys can kind of read it, maybe. I don't know. It's kind of, you can't really read it, because it's long. But 
This was a decision we made about, this is this thing about letting go, needing to know everything. And instead, we have people write these things up. So the whole the genesis of that Heartbeats idea came from this post that David made. He made a decision. It's broadcast to the whole company. There was discussion about it previously between me and him. And he kind of laid it out. And then there was follow-up conversations. And some people weren't happy about it. And that's great, because then we discussed it here. And we actually made some further changes down the road based on some of these discussions. Like here, for example, uh, Dan. It's been 30 days since we've in implemented this thing. Peaceful QR is just an internal thing. I feel like I've given it a fair shake, but I don't like it. This doesn't work. Um, loss of serendipitous, like all these things. And so we've made some adjustments following up from that. And, uh, and that's all on the record now. And um, that's a quick, but instead of reading the whole thing, it's sort of hard to go into details. Who has the mic for the last? Uh, Wendy, you're in charge of this one? Oh, all right, cool. Someone else with a question? Yeah, just, just a, I mean, it makes it sound as if the emotion is, isn't really here. Uh, you know, a lot of writing doesn't uh, express itself very well. You know, emotions either get uh, upgraded or downgraded. How do you deal with conflict? I mean, disagreement. Uh, you know, the human Emoticons. side of enterprise. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, writing is wonderfully emotional. I, I disagree with that premise. Um, I think that, um, I mean, we read books, we read novels. People can write wonderful things in words. Words are extremely expressive, and in many cases, I think they're better, they're, they're more pure ex forms of expression. Um, a lot of people can be intimidated in a meeting. You go to a meeting, there's someone who's senior there, and you want to speak up, but you don't want to speak up against them in that place because they are more, there's a lot of dynamics that happen when you're in person as well. So there's, there's give and take here, but there's a lot of dynamics that happen in person that you can eliminate when everyone has a level playing field, which is write. Write your ideas out. Um, this isn't about who's senior and who's junior. Write it out, and if you explain yourself well, that wins. Um, so if, obviously I can't, you know, we can't read it all, but there's a lot of expression. There's a lot of wonderful expression that goes on inside of our company this way. Um, and, um, but as far as conflict goes, um, conflict is, is resolved uh, the same way, which is that we typically write and disagree out in the open so everyone can see it, people can chime in, and we have to be reasoned about what we're arguing so it's not emotional in terms of the argument, because emotional arguments don't lead anywhere for a company. Um, I want people's arguments to be clear and precise and thoughtful, um, and you can express them beautifully still, but they shouldn't be because, because I want to. It should be because this makes sense. So that's how we, we do it. So there's a lot of, in the comment threads, there's tons and tons of disagreement. Here, David and I and Ryan, uh, pro, uh, in, this, in this base camp, there's a ton uh, of disagreement. And there's a lot of disagreement elsewhere. Like I just showed you that one, that one thread. Of course, we couldn't look at it in detail. But Dan's like, I gave this 30 days. I don't agree with it. Here's why. Here's why I don't agree with it. Um, I think it's very important for companies to have people inside them that can explain themselves very well and very clearly. And we can all say that's hard to do, but there's a lot of things that are hard to do that are worth doing. That, to me, is one of the most important things to do because it allows you to be efficient. It allows people to go home at, four, at 5 o'clock and not have to put in nights and weekends. And it allows people to have their own time to do their own work, make their points, and sort of have it on the record and, and, and air it out in, in person in public in that, in that way, and I just find that to be a really effective way of doing it. The other thing I'll say really quick to that is that there are fewer disagreements when things are made clear. There's a shit ton of disagreements 
when things don't make sense. So clarity is what's important here because if you're going to explain yourself and you don't tell the whole story and, and someone's like, well, didn't you see that? They already talked about that. Well, where did they talk about it? Well, they talked about it over here. Oh, I didn't see that. It wasn't, I looked over here. Like, this is why people tend to disagree a lot and have as strong disagreements because they're not talking about the same thing. That's the root of most disagreement that's difficult to resolve is that people aren't talking about the same thing. There's plenty of healthy disagreement when people are talking about the same thing, then you can really get down to the point. But a lot of disagreement in companies comes from people talking about different things but having an illusion that they're talking about the same thing. And that's why a whole story, one place where the whole conversation happens is so important because everyone has a central source of truth and the same source of truth versus their own versions of what they read in different places. I hope that some way addresses that. That's exactly it, which is that if you were to look through probably hundreds of thousands of written pages, technically, if you were to look at it that way, um, you would find <coughs> hardly any personal attacks. Um, if you're attacking someone personally, there's a deeper, deeper problem. That's a bug again. Like, the people do have those disagreements from time to time because we're all human. But I want fervent attacks on ideas. Um, and starting with a clear idea is a great way to attack it because we all know what we're talking about. We all know what they're talking about. And you can really come at it from a side and make a point. So yeah, that, that's kind of how we do it. And there's a ton of other personality edge I didn't show and that kind of thing. But that, was, th that is true that. Um, that you should be attacking the ideas and not the person. That is a core value, and we don't hire people that are into that. That's into the other way, which is personal tax or ego-based arguments. That does not fly at our company. I gotta go clearly. If you guys have any other, any other, um, uh, any other thoughts or comments or, or whatever, I, I'm I'm more than happy to to. I'll be around for lunch, I guess. And, and you can hit me up any other time via email or on Twitter or wherever. And, and thanks. I hope, I hope this was useful. I, I never know because I, I just don't know. But I, I hope people enjoy looking at a process and seeing how things run in a different company. I, I always do. So I hope, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.